When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The NFL draft is now officially open. This is draft season. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline, back with you. Right here, go find Draft Season on your favorite podcast platform, or you can find it, of course, on the Giants app or at Giants.com slash podcast. But this is not a Giants podcast. This is a draft podcast. But, of course, if you are a Giants fan, we'll talk all about the prospects. And if you aren't a Giant fan, of course, same deal, man. You're into the draft, start learning about these guys, or maybe you've been following it tightly and, you know, you get Tony's opinion. So we're going to get a big show today. We'll do a really quick wrap-up of Shrine and Senior Bowl. If you want more on those two games, go back to our episode last week. Tony and I talked at like the end of the week, so we kind of covered everything uh, in terms of the prospects in those games, but we'll do a little bit more today. Then for the next two weeks, we're going to do our Tony Tony's top fives at every position. This show will be offense. The show next week will be defense, and then we'll get into Tony's kind of first-round grades, top 30 type thing before we head into the combine. Then we get combine, combine review, and then we're like a month and a half away. So we'll be rocking and rolling here as draft season rolls along. Tony, it's good to see you, man. How was your trip back from Mobile? Quick and event-free, so that's good. I mean, (laughs) uh, three days in Vegas for Shrine Game, which was fun. And then there was a bit, bit of a harrowing trip from uh, Vegas to uh, Mobile through Atlanta. And then uh, three days at senior ball practice, primarily sitting next to you. You know, it starts off, you're all excited. And by the middle of the, of the uh, practices, when you're going from shrine to senior, you're like, all right, you're counting the days down before you get home. But, you know, it, it was good overall. It, it's always good. Yeah, always fun. No question. It was a great time watching practice with you. So I guess let, let's start there. Just major takeaways. You can go Shrine or Senior Bowl first, and then we'll uh, try to get into your top fives here. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the Shrine, there were some guys who really performed well. Catrell Clark, the cornerback from Louisville, was very impressive all three days. A.T. Perry, the receiver from uh, Wake Forest, had a lot, a lot of really good uh uh, days of practice the mario douglas you know the big talk about the shrine was zay flowers was going to be there and zay flowers was there although he wasn't in uniform he wasn't a pads too much he only practiced one day which was the second day sunday and then he practiced sparingly although he was out on the field but uh the liberty mutual the, the liberty mutual the liberty receiver uh demario douglas was terrific i mean he was like a a, a miniaturized uh, zay flowers with his ability to separate through his routes he caught everything he showed a burst of speed 
I think he really helped himself. And then when you move over to the senior bowl, listen, we got to talk about the two guys who were voted practice players of the week. You know, Tajay Spears. We spoke about him during last week's podcast from Mobile. If you follow me uh, on Twitter. You read my stuff at Pro Football uh, Network. I talked about him every day. And the thing about Spears was he proved that the film is real. It wasn't that he was playing in the American Athletic Conference, which doesn't have good defenses. I mean, his ball carrying skills were outstanding. The vision, the patience. He's a smaller guy, so he kind of gets lost behind his line and he runs behind his pads. The foot quickness, the burst, everything was outstanding. And, you know, let's go back to when we had Jim Nagy on this program where Jim said that he feels that Tajay Spears could be a feature runner at the next level. And I was like, eh, but you know what? Watching him, I'm saying, absolutely. I mean, if you're a team that's only going to run your hand the ball off to your running back 10 to 12 times a game or you rotate your backs, Tajay Spears is absolutely a starter. And, you know, we talk about his running skills. I don't know if you remember, but on the last day of practice, they were doing pass catching drills and he was up against one of the safeties. And wow, he threw a move on the safety. The safety was stuck in cement. I mean, the safety was grasping at air. He blew by the safety, threw his routes, caught the ball, and it was game over. And Spears was just terrific last week. Yeah, and look, I thought the running back class was good too. Uh, he had Kenny McIntosh on his team. He thought I thought had a pretty nice week of practice. We had a couple drop passes, which is odd for him. Such a good receiver. Uh, Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, I thought was really good. Another five nine running back that did well. We only saw Roshan Johnson for one day until he had the hand injury, and then Chase Brown at Illinois was solid too, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. It's said that uh, uh, Johnson had that the hand injury. You know, you talk about Eric Gray. Oklahoma running backs have a history of doing well at, at the Senior Bowl. And then they go on their mid-round picks in the draft, and then they're very productive pros. That has been their MO, and I think that's what's going to happen with Gray. And then when we talk about the defensive player of the week, Sidney Brown. I mean, wow. Again, you know, we talked about him last week uh, on the uh, podcast, and what I said was, you know, Sidney Brown's ball skills, his cover skills, was was probably as good as any of the cornerbacks at the senior bowl. And, I mean, a year ago, you may remember Jalen Petrie from Baylor was at the senior bowl and there were questions about his cover skills because he was used more in the box as sort of a hybrid linebacker safety. And he blew everybody away, ended up as a second round pick, similar situation with Sidney Brown this year. Granted he was used more, you know, in center field, but is he tall enough to be, to, for, is he tall enough to cover the larger receivers? Is he quick enough? He showed it all. I mean, he should, he played well every single day, covering receivers in one-on-ones in scrimmage and again like I said his ball skills were as good as many as the cornerbacks that were that were in mobile for the senior ball yeah I want to give a shout out to Tony to the offensive line group I thought they played particularly well you know those one-on-one pass rush rules are designed for the defensive players to, to succeed and I thought the offensive linemen won those drills to be quite honest with you I think you have day one step in starters at guard and center um, Darnell Wright at tackle did really well. Jalen Duncan, I thought, did pretty well when he was at left tackle. Uh, Dewan Jones obviously just practiced for one day when he did, he was dominant. I think you know, you might not get a ton of you know, first round offensive linemen in this draft, you know, maybe a little less than a handful, but I think in rounds two and three, you're gonna get a ton guy, a ton of guys picked, and they're gonna step in and they're gonna play right away. McClendon Curtis of Tennessee Chattanooga also was really, really good. And remember. Tennessee Chattanooga had a guy by the name of Cole Strange, who was in the 2022 Senior Bowl, was a surprise first-round pick. I don't think McClendon Curtis has a chance of being a first-round pick, but he could sneak in the late part of day two. 
He showed some versatility. He's got an NFL body. Actually took some nice snaps, did some nice reps at left tackle. He's not going to be a left tackle, but he showed that versatility. And that was the one thing that we saw. And you kept, you kept pointing out with Cody Mock about how they move these guys around. Guards were playing right guard, college right guards were playing left guard and tackle. Jalen Duncan played, who's a left tackle, all his college career at Maryland, played some right tackle. So they move these guys around. You got an idea what these guys can and can't do. I thought it was a terrific job by that coaching, by those coaching staffs, I should say. Yeah, I want to just shout out Osiris Torrance, who I thought was fantastic. Best interior lineman there. John Michael Schmitz showed, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. back into the first round at center, probably a second round pick, though, more likely. Matthew Bergeron at Syracuse, another guy Tony mentioned, moved around, guard and tackle. Cody Mock even played some center. Steve Avila, the big TCU guard, played some center. So those guys moved around. I thought they did a really nice job. And then I guess we should just mention, too, the the wide receiver cornerback battles. I'm not sure we're going to have any first-round receivers or corners come out of the Senior Bowl this year, which is not surprising. Usually, you know, those are positions we get a lot of underclassmen coming out early, and those are going to be the star players at those spots. But I, I thought there was some good competition at those two spots throughout the week. I mean, Tank Dell, you couldn't cover him. <laughs> I mean, he was he was beating people off the line. He was beating defenders through their in, in the routes. And when he got in the open field, he has a burst. The problem is he's under 165 pounds. So where does he go in the draft? You're going to have to design plays for him. You're going to have to design a position for him. You got to keep him off of press coverage. And as fast as Tank Dell was on the field, it was Jaden Reed of Michigan State who was topping the GPS as far as speeds were concerned uh, every single day. He had, had an outstanding week. And Michael Wilson of Stanford, I think, really exceeded expectations, especially with his route running. I mean, team uh, defenders could not stay with him in or out of routes. Yeah, you're right. He was open the whole day. Bigger guy, too, over 200 pounds. He has some strength to him. I thought he did a really nice job. And I'm just going to shout out uh, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, who you know had a down year this year, much like the entire Michigan State program. But he played mostly in the slot in Mobile, and I thought he showed speed, quickness. He was able to get open, showed good hands. So just another guy I thought did well. And then I'll, I'll mention Luke Musgrave too, Tony, another yeah. guy that could be a first round pick coming out of that event, um, out of Oregon State. You show he showed some rust with some drops and stuff, but the overall physical package and athleticism was certainly on display. And remember, when Jim Nagy was on this program, Nagy said that everyone has Michael Mayer of Notre Dame as the num as tight end number one. But keep an eye on Musgrave. And, you know, you said he showed some rust because he was injured. He missed most of the season. And I think he told you that, you know, he wasn't 100 percent. People I said I spoke with said he looked like he was playing injured, but he looked damn good. I mean, he was very athletic. He showed good speed. I mean, he looked like the potential, you know, tight end that plays the position like a receiver which is what the NFL wants these days. All right, Tony, let's get to our top fives here. And since you were just talking about them, I know it's unorthodox, but screw it. Let's talk tight ends because I think this is a wonderful class. Uh, I went through these guys the last few days and you probably have five or six guys that have gone before any tight end in last year's draft class. And Trey McBride was a good prospect, but these guys are just different. Uh, yeah. I'll give you... I'll list off Tony's top five, and then, Tony, you can kind of give me your thoughts on the guys and why you ordered them where you did, and then uh, we'll talk about them a little bit. So your tight end top five, you have Michael Meyer out of Notre Dame, the th a third-year junior, first-round grade. You have Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, number two. Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State uh, as your third guy, both guys with kind of first, second-round picks. Sam Laporta out of Iowa, second-round selection, and then Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, kind of a second, third-round guy. Give me your thoughts and why you ordered them that way. Yeah, Mayor, Musgrave, and Kraft 
are very close. There's not much that that, that separates them. I got to wait and see what mayor runs uh, the 40 in at the combine because there's word that he may not break 4-8. And then we want to see what Musgrave uh, runs. I'm told he could run low 4-5s. And then there's my favorite, Tucker Craft. Now, it depends on what you want. I mean, Mayor is your traditional three-down tight end. He's your 1980s type of tight end, if you will, in the sense that he's a terrific inline blocker. He can block on the second level. He is a big, strong, stout pass catcher. Remember, I, I've talked about him in comparison to Mark Bavaro of the New York Giants uh, going way, way back. He is that type of tight end. That's not necessarily what the league wants these days. You know, they want the guys that can get down the field. Musgrave does that. Tucker Craft of South Dakota State really does that uh, exceptionally well. And Tucker Craft is a decent blocker. They don't need they don't ask him to block all that much because he's such a good pass catcher. But he's always looking to block when the assignment calls for. He's out on the second level blocking. Uh, number four is, is Sam Laporte of Iowa, who I just think is ridiculously underrated. The guy's been a terrific tight end at Iowa the past three years. He's an outstanding pass catcher. I love this route running, Tony. When I watched him, I thought his route running was spectacular. I, I wrote that in my report. He runs excellent routes for a bigger tight end. Doesn't He does a solid job blocking. He's projected to run in the four sevens. Doesn't look like a downfield threat, but he's very, very dependable in all areas. And then there's Dalton Kincaid, who really wasn't even the number one tight end at Utah this year, even though he had all those measurables. It was Brian Queef. Queef went down with an injury. Kincaid's game took off. Now Kincaid has an injury. So I think Dalton Kincaid's one of those guys that, because of the injury, he's not going to be drafted as early as he should be. But if he gets back to health and he starts to improve on, on what he showed he can do during the season – it's going to be a real fine starting tight end down the road. And then there's, you know, Luke Schumacher is right behind the kid from Michigan, uh, who's a third round pick. It kind of falls off after that, after your first five or six guys. All right. I want to follow up on Dalton Kincaid because, Tony, I thought he runs like a wide receiver. Like he's long, he's kind of slender. Like if you're looking for if, of this group, and I think even more so than Musgrave, you're looking for like that move tight end that's a receiver. I think Kincaid's probably your guy. I just love the way he moved in the secondary, was able to kind of separate, get open. And I bet you he's going to run pretty well in Indy. If he runs. Remember, I, I mean, go back to, to, to Jim Nagy told us, you know, he may not be healthy. He may not be able to run before the uh, before the draft, which is why he'll kind of be pushed down and be underdrafted. You know, he looks thin because he's six six and a half. I mean, and he's 242 pounds. That, that's why he looks thin because he, like you said, he's got such excellent length, natural pass catcher. I always thought he was underappreciated at, at Utah, was never a big player in that offense until Queef went down with the injury, but he's got a tremendous amount of upside. And if he can, if he's able to get back to health and improve on the ability that he showed late in the season, <clears throat> Uh, when he took over the starting spot at Utah, some team's going to hit a home run with him at tight end. One guy I want to ask you about that that's not on your top five is Darnell Washington, the yeah. basically offensive tackle that's playing tight end for Georgia. 670, 270 pounds, only 28 <clears throat> catches last year. He's playing behind Bowers, right, who's their number one tight end. And, you know, Tony, he can block, obviously, at that size. His, you know, he has build up speed, but once he gets going, he can go against Oregon. He's like hurtling guys on the sideline to run after the catch. But at his side, I just don't see a great change in direction, start and stop. But boy, you know, 
tight ends a traits position, and he's like, there's no one that looks like this guy that plays that spot. Well, first thing is you're an inch shy. He's six eight, and you're oh. ten pounds short. He was two hundred and eighty pounds coming out of the national championship game when he reported for combine training, and he oh, wow. was he started training for the combine just a few days after national championship game. Now I spoke with his team. They were actually on my flight uh, going home. And they said the goal is to get him down to 265 pounds uh, by, by the time the combine comes wow. around. Now that that's still, very aggressive, by the way, <laughs> at 6'8", 280 pounds, he moves incredibly well. I, I, you're right about the change of direction. I think the fact is also is Darnell Washington is the starting tight end on just about, I'm 99% of the, of the uh, teams around the nation, except Georgia, except Iowa, you know, except maybe Notre Dame. And what happened is he played second fiddle to Bowers. He didn't get the same, he didn't have the same responsibility. So I think he's very undeveloped in that area, the route running area, the pass catching area. So with Washington, you're probably looking at a late day two pick and he's a developmental prospect. You're going to put him on the field on short, and, uh, short third and short uh, goal line situations where you want to block. Maybe you throw him the ball. But I think it, it's something where it's going to be a process with Washington to turn him into make him go from the awesome athlete that he is at the incredible size that he has right now into a tight end. A lot of upside there. Yeah, and look, he had great hands on. You know, there was one pass. He was going off the Seamos, throwing behind him. He had to flip his hips, get around. He reached out behind them, made a hands catch, like freakish things. But again, yeah, just a little raw when it comes to the route running. All right, let's uh, let's jump to the other skill spot, Tony. We'll kind of stick with the theme here. Let's go to wide receiver. We've talked a ton about these guys, but we'll touch on them here too. Uh, I imagine your first three guys in the list are all pretty close. Jackson Smith and Jigba is your first. Quentin Johnson's number two. Jalen Hyatt, number three. All at first round grades. Then you have Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers with kind of one slash twos. Is this going to be like a chef's choice situation, depending on the type of player you want when you're drafting a wide receiver? Hey, if you want the speed downfield threat, home run hitting guy, you're going to go with Jalen Hyatt. If you want the bigger athlete who can also, you know, break the deep, break the break it deep down the field and has great upside, you're going to go with Quentin Johnson. If you want the, you know, NFL ready player that you can stick into a lineup. Uh, you know, basically from day one, you're going to go with, say, Flowers or or uh, or, 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 or Addison uh, from uh, USC. I have Jackson Smith and Jigba as my number one receiver because I remember, you know, what I saw in the 2021 film. I mean, he was outstanding. He, teams couldn't cover him. And this was really before the rise of Marvin Harrison II. Smith and Jigba was the number one guy. They knew the ball was going to him. They really didn't even use the tight end too much in 2021, C.J. Stroud, when they had Jeremy Ruckert there. Ran excellent routes, found ways to separate, was really injured this year. Had a third-degree hamstring uh, issue, which never really resolved itself, although I'm told he's at 100% now getting ready for the combine. So I, I think that, granted, there was a year off, but I think Smith Njiba is sort of the total package when you look at all those guys. He's got good speed. He's a terrific route runner. He's an outstanding pass catcher, as opposed to Quinton Johnson, who is a great athlete. He's got the speed. He's got he's a downfield presence. He can win out for the contested passes, but he needs to improve his route running, and he, he needs to be more consistent about catching the ball with his drops. hands away from his frame. Yeah, and you got Hyatt, who is a, a great downfield threat, but you know doesn't have an expanded route tree. He's got to really develop those routes. 
But again, if you want a guy just to run down the field and make big plays for you, hi, it's your guy. No question about it. Tony, how, how close is, is, is your next set of wideouts after those top five? You don't have to go through all the names if you don't want to, but how big of a drop-off if you don't get that wide receiver at the end of round one, which I think, by the way, all five of these guys could go at the end of round one. It's possible, depending on you know where they fall and what teams want to pick them. You know, how far is the drop-off to that kind of next group where if you're in the second round, you want a wide receiver, you want to get one there? Well, I, I mean, the next guy would be Kayshawn Booty, who, you know, what are we getting with Kayshawn Booty? Are you, if you're getting the guy that we saw in 2021, you take Kayshawn Booty in the second round, you're potentially getting a first-round receiver who played semi-decent football for half of the 2022 season after not being around, you know, the first half. If you take him in the second round and he never really ups his game, well, th th then you wasted a pick. The one thing we know about LSU receivers are they're usually better NF players on the NFL level than they are on the college level. So it'll be Kayshawn Booty. He's sort of the wild card because, uh, you know, I don't want to say he could be the best of the bunch, but he really could be the best of the bunch. If you go back to that 2021 film, you look at the history of LSU receivers, Kayshawn Booty could develop into, you know, the best receiver from this class. It's just that he really didn't play that well. And then you go down, you, you got you got Josh Downs. Uh, who's a smaller guy, but very explosive. You got Cedric Tillman of Tennessee, who's a bigger guy, but was injured last year. I, I think there's a good group of receivers in that second, third round area who have a lot of potentials, but also have some questions. Yeah, I love Josh Downs, by the way. I don't see much of, for me, I don't see much of a difference between him and Zay Flowers. I think they're very similar. And I think if, you know, you get Downs 15, 20 picks after, I think you're getting a very similar player, to be honest with you. I, I think Flowers runs better routes, but I think Downs is, is more of a downfield threat. Got it. All right, let's go over to the uh, quarterback spot now, Tone. Uh, we've talked about these guys a bunch, obviously, and the rankings should not surprise people. Uh, Bryce Young, number one. C.J. Stroud, number two. Then you have Hooker, third, yeah. and Levis, fourth. I'm assuming the injury is, is why you kind of have him in different rounds. You can explain that. Yeah. And then Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, and then we'll talk about the guy that's not on the list as well. So go through your five. Well, obviously, Bryce Young, number one. I know there's going to be people, especially after his pro day, that are going to have C.J. Stroud jump over Bryce Young. No doubt in my mind, because C.J. Stroud is going to throw better deep balls. The pro day workout is made for C.J. Stroud. But when you look at the film, there's really not much of a difference. I mean, Bryce Young gets it. He's got incredible field vision. There's a clairvoyance to his game where he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Doesn't have great size. Doesn't have a great deep arm. He's not a bad deep arm, but he doesn't have that great vertical uh, uh, arm that he's going to drive the ball downfield. It's a little bit slow to uh, take his head off the uh, primary receiver from now and then, but he always makes good decisions. He, and by the he, way, Tony, just real quick, just so people understand, when we're in Indy, people are going to be waiting with bated breath on his measurements. Not absolutely. just the height, but also the weight. That's going to be – and look, there's going to be a lot of players where it's important. There's no bigger – measurement that's going to come out of Indy than Bryce Young because no one has really ever succeeded at quarterback in the NFL at his stature. Kyler Murray 2.0. Don't you remember how everybody was waiting for Kyler Murray's yeah. measurements and when he came in slightly over six foot, it went viral uh, on the internet. It's going to be a similar situation like that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if you draft Bryce Young, 
you better make sure you put at least five good offensive linemen in front of him to protect him because he's not going to be able to take the beating on Sunday that he took on Saturday. And it's not just height. It's it's width. It's frame. It's strength, you know? He is, yeah, he is, a, he is a slender guy. He's not going to be able to withstand the rush. Now, physically, mentally, he does a lot of good things. Steps up in the pocket, gets rid of the ball, and he protects the football. Doesn't throw uh, adverse passes. Doesn't force the ball in the coverage, which is what you've got to love about him. C.J. Stroud is just the opposite. He's got those physical skills. He's got the size. He's got the girth. He's got the he's got the stoutness of a pocket passer. He's got the big arm. He's very accurate. You know, again with C.J. Stroud, and we've bemoaned this fact on this podcast going back to September. You know, C.J. Stroud I thought was overcoached at Ohio State, and all of a sudden when they let him play against Georgia, boom, he puts up forty plus points. Against that defense, he almost wins that game. So which C.J. Stroud are we getting? Right. If we if, if we get the C.J. Stroud that you saw at the Georgia, uh, Georgia uh, semifinal game and he's coached correctly and not overcoached, he's able to do that, there's your franchise quarterback from the 2022 draft. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And again, you're going to see a lot of people moving towards the draft that have C.J. Stroud graded over Bryce Young. And I think the best way to say it is, Bryce Young, you know what you're getting in Bryce Young. The, the downside to Bryce Young is the size and the inability to withstand the rush. C.J. Stroud, there's a huge upside, but there's a lot of risk in the pick. Yeah, Tony, I, real quick, real quick on Stroud before you move on to, to, to Hooker and Levis. And look, I, I'm, I'm always one to tell people don't scout the helmet, but we've seen now two Ohio State quarterbacks come out of that offensive system in Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, and um, Justin Fields, where the passing part of their game going from that Ohio State system to the pros did not translate well. You know, you're throwing a great receivers, you have great protection, and this type of route concepts they can run at Ohio State, you can't even run the NFL because you can't hold the ball that long. So I worry about that too, how much of that production carries over when you go into an NFL system. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, it's going to come down to coaching with C.J. Stroud. I think a lot of people be surprised when they see Hendon Hooker as my number three quarterback. But I firmly believe that if Hendon Hooker finished the season healthy and went through the senior bowl process, we'd be talking about him as the number three quarterback. And I think Hendon Hooker is in a real good position. He's not in a good, it's bad because he's going to be underdrafted. He's got no chance of being a first round selection. It's probably not going to be an early, uh, won't go until the second, bottom half of round two, round three, depending on how the injury is. But he's in a good situation. He's not going to be able to play in 2023. So he's going to have to sit on the sidelines the first three months, which is probably a big benefit. Hendon Hooker has continually improved this game. He was good at Virginia Tech, took it up a notch in 2021 at Tennessee, really took it up a notch this year at Tennessee before, before he got injured. When you compare him to Will Levis, yeah, Levis has got better size. He's stouter. He's got a better arm, although Hendon Hooker has got a, a darn good arm. But Hendon Hooker is the better quarterback. And I just like the fact that Hendon Hooker, he may not like it, it's going to have to sit on the sidelines because of the injury, which I think will be to his benefit two, three, four, five years down the road, rather than sticking him in the lineup, sticking him behind center and basically learning under fire. Levis is, you know, sort of like CJ Stroud times 10. He's your boomer bus guy. I've written about it. We've talked about it. He should have been at the senior ball. He should have been at the shrine game. As someone said to me, it was occupational suicide that he didn't go to the shrine game considering the Atlanta Falcons were coaching one of the teams. The Atlanta Falcons need a quarterback and the Atlanta Falcons have the eighth pick of the draft. 
Why wasn't it the senior bowl? Now, when we, we talked to Nagy about it, he said, well, there's a toe injury, but people thought he could have played. You usually don't go to a game like that because you don't want to be exposed. And, and that's the thing with, uh, with, with Levis. Struggles layering the ball, doesn't do the, the best job with his reads. A guy who's got high upside, but a big downside. And then I've got Aiden O'Connell. And a lot of people are going to say, well, how come Anthony Richardson's not in your, your uh, top five? That was my follow-up, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Richardson could be a great quarterback in, in three years. He could also be playing receiver. <laughs> I mean, I just there's just too much unknowns about a guy that has not played much football who you know completed 33% of his passes uh, against Florida State, where Aiden O'Connell was highly rated coming in the season. He's got NFL size. He's a pocket passer. He's mobile. He's got an arm. He had a solid shrine game. He's got a lot of upside. He's a mature guy who knows what's going on. He's been through a lot. He's married. I, I just think that O'Connell's a much safer pick. Richardson could be a great quarterback in three years. He could be playing in the CFL in three years. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, and we'll see where Richardson goes. You know, most people think he's going to be a first-round pick. I don't think he's getting in the top 10. I've seen some people predict that. I think that's a little bit too rich. I think I think Levis will, though. I think, te- you know, you mentioned Stroud's pro day, Tony. I think with Levis, teams will see him in his pro day. He's going to throw like a 75-yard pass or something crazy. He's going to run really well at the combine. He's a fast kid. He's tough. They say he knocks it out of the park in interviews. He's a real good leader. Uh, you know, frame size, all that stuff. He checks every box in terms of traits that teams are looking for. And then, you know, here's what's going to happen too, Tony. This year was rough, but the team's going to go back and watch his game tape against Georgia last year, and they're going to be like, oh, man, look what he did against the best defense with all these NFL prospects on it. And then for Hooker, I think, to your point, I think it will help him sitting a year because that Tennessee offense is nothing like what you can run in the NFL, the way they spread it out, they use the hashes, stuff like that. So I think it will certainly help him, certainly has a lot of talent, um, and we'll see. But, yeah, I think uh, definitely more quarterbacks going in the first round this year than we had in last year's draft for sure. All right, let's go to the offensive line, Tony. Um, Let's go tackle first. Uh, go with uh, you know, Paris Johnson one, Broderick Jones out of Georgia two. Paris Johnson's from Ohio State. Dewan Jones, Johnson's teammate at Ohio State, as your third guy. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, and then Warren McClendon out of Georgia. Take us through your top five at offensive tackle. Uh, I like Paris Johnson, but I don't like him as much as other people. I think he's a work in progress. Made the successful transition from guard to left tackle this year. He's got excellent length, long arms. He's a good pass blocker. There's a lot of inconsistency in this game. You watch Paris Johnson. He's a devastating run blocker, but at times he's getting pushed back into the pocket. We saw that in the semifinal game against Georgia. That wasn't the only time that happened. So I think it's a matter of him learning to use that base to anchor and pass protection. Shows ability blocking on the second level. I think he's got a high upside, but I think there's going to be a few bumps in the road. Broderick Jones. You know, a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller. Really want to see his measurements. You talk about the measurements uh, for Bryce Young at the uh, at the uh, Combine. There's going to be a couple other players, especially in the offensive line, which we'll get to, where teams are really going to want to see the measurements uh, of these players. You know, how long are Broderick, uh, Broderick Jones' arms? Are they long enough to stay at left tackle? He's got the physical skills. He's got the athleticism. He's got the agility. He can slide out in, in, in pass protection to protect the edge. He can get out to the second level. That all works. And, and if the measurements, you know, follow along, you're looking at a guy that's going to go somewhere, I believe, in the bottom half of round one. Dewan Jones, you know, we talked about this before. You know Dewan Jones as a massive offensive lineman, six, eight and a half, 370 pounds. He was a dominant run blocker for two years at Ohio State. 
But what he showed in that one day of senior bowl practices, he can pass protect. I mean, there were a lot of speedy edge rushers that DeWan Jones was able to slide off the edge at right tackle, get his hands into, and knock him from their angle of attack. You know, he dispelled the myth that he was a big, stiff right tackle, sort of in the old mold of right tackles. No, he showed a lot of agility. He showed the ability to shut down those speed rushers. And then he left town. Well, he didn't leave town. He just didn't play anymore because he figured, hey, one and done. I really uh, helped my draft stock. I have him as a second-round pick. Could he slide into round one? Uh, maybe the late part. Anton Harrison, left tackle for Oklahoma. They've had a lot of good offensive linemen there. Anton Harrison is, is a mobile, nimble left tackle. He's a natural left tackle with excellent footwork. And then Warren McClendon, the other kid uh, who played right tackle at Georgia, came into uh, senior ball at 290 pounds, but it was actually, it was a pretty good story. I wrote about it at Pro Football Network. Warren McClendon's uh, roommate was the kid who died in the car accident uh, for Georgia. That was his roommate. Warren McClendon was in that car uh, when, it, when it crashed and the, uh, the roommate and the staffer died. There was a lot of questions as to whether or not he was going to be there. He went to the senior bowl. He wore his roommate's number. Uh, the fact that he went there and competed, and he's such a good player, I think bodes, you know, is going to help Warren McClendon. It's very impressive. I think he's a darn good right tackle as well. Yo, Tony, I'll throw out two other guys that we saw at the senior bowl. I mentioned one earlier, Dono Wright. I think he could easily be a, a second-round pick. And I think Wanye Morris, frankly, from Oklahoma, had a pretty nice senior bowl too, and I think he could be a day-two pick, right? Yeah, I, I think more right tackles. And, you know, you, you're looking at, you know, you, you want those pass protectors. You want those nimble guys. Jalen Duncan, you mentioned earlier, who I think cemented himself as a day two pick just as long as everything checks up, off, uh, checks off uh, on the off the field stuff. And, and Matt, Matt Bergeron, I mean, I think Matt Bergeron, yeah. you mentioned him at left tackle as well as guard. You know, those nimble, agile guys, that's what the league wants. Uh, and I think he's also probably a third round choice and you see him as you you think he can play tackle in the nfl you see him more of a tackle than a guard yeah. my my theory with with tackles is leave him at left tackle until yeah. they prove that they can't play left tackle because it is such an important position no I and mean, look i think he did a really good job at left tackle at the senior bowl all right let's go to the interior offensive line and the first guy on the list tony i'm sure people said wait 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 why wasn't he on your tackle list what's going on here that's peter skaronski out of northwestern we talked about John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, number two. Uh, one of your favorites, Luke Whipler, who I'm sure killed you to put him behind John Michael Schmitz on this list, but you did. Uh, Osiris Torres from Florida, who we mentioned earlier, four. And then Jordan McFadden out of Clemson, number five in your top five guard center list. So why don't you take us through it? Well, let's talk about why Skronsky's on my guard uh, list and not my tackle list. You talk about Bryce Young and everyone's going to be, you know, anticipating the measurements. For me and a lot of people in the scouting community, that's what it's going to be with Skronsky. There's rumors he's not going to be six foot four. There's rumors his arms aren't going to be 33 inches long. If his arms aren't 33 inches long, he's not a tackle. He's no. going to be kicked inside the guard. He is a real good football player. He is a real good offensive lineman. He's a tough, nasty lineman who dominates opponents. He's got great vision. He's got a violence to his game. Strong. He's, he's a good pass protector as well. I want to see those measurements because everything I'm hearing screams guard right now. Maybe I'm hearing the wrong things, but let's see. You know, you're going to be looking for everyone's going to be looking at Bryce Young's height and weight. I want to see Skronsky's height and arm length because that will determine whether or not he's going to be a guard or a tackle next level. He may end up moving to my tackle 
aboard. He'll be a top five tackle. Could be right there with the Paris Johnson. I tend to like Paris Johnson a little bit more than Skronsky. I know other people uh, feel differently, uh, but I want to see those measurements. John Michael Schmitz, I, I mean, you, you talked about him at the top of the show. I mean, he was terrific at uh, senior bowl practices. You know, at, at, in Minnesota, they basically used him on the line of scrimmage. But we saw at the senior bowl, he can move. He got out there. The last day of practice, he was 20 yards downfield, knocked the defensive back off, off, his, off his feet uh, in that two-minute drill. And he showed a lot, a lot of ability. He's got an NFL build. He's a thick guy with a thick lower body. I love the way he quarterbacked the offensive line during senior bowl practices. You could see him communicating with his teammates, making the signals, moving his head back at, back and forth, making sure everybody was in position. I, I think that bodes well. Luke Whipler's always been one of my favorites. More of a zone-blocking lineman compared to Schmidt and a, a singularly a zone-blocking lineman, but that's what the league wants. You know, They want those guys that are nimble, can get out on the second level, can move, and are agile. That's what Whipler is. Osiris Torrance, who you talked about, big, strong, sort of small area guy, 340-plus pounds. And I like Jordan McFadden as well. I mean, we've seen Clemson in the past, kids playing for Cincinnati right now, left tackle who moves in, who moved into guard and has had success at the guard position. That's what I see at McFadden, who I have as a third-round uh, third selection. Yeah, I'm going to throw a couple honorable mentions here for guys that I like. Um, Tony, Cody Mock out of North Dakota State, who'll be moving in, to your point, with arm length, right, from left tackle into guard or center. Again, he hasn't done it much. He had some ups and downs at that senior bowl doing it. But I think, you know, athlete, he kind of just – the guy's like no front teeth. I mean, he just looks like an offensive lineman. I think people will buy into him. And then uh, Steve Avila out of TCU. You want a phone booth guy that's going to move the pile and be a road grader? He played a little center in Mobile too. That's another guy that I think teams are probably going to like on the inside sometime on day two. Yeah, Steve Avia is probably the best uh, power gap blocker in this year's draft. I mean, you want a guy that's going to punch in the mouth, drive you off the line of scrimmage, anchor at the point and pass protection, but you don't want to pull him across the line of scrimmage. You don't want to get him, you know, more than three or four yards off the line of scrimmage to block in motion. That's your guy. Yeah, big guy, 339 pounds, so monster. All right, let's go real quick. You want those monster offensive linemen telling you to block for the running backs. And this is a really good running back class. It starts with Bijan Robinson, who, if you're just going by grade, he's probably maybe even a top five player in this draft, top seven, top eight, however you want to do it. Uh, he's number one on your list to no one's surprise. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama is number two. Tajay Spears, who we talked a lot about already, is is uh, also a second rounder. He is number three for you. Uh, Zach Charbonnet or Carbonet? Charbonnet, I believe. Charbonnet out of UCLA is your fourth guy. And then Sean Tucker out of Syracuse comes in at number five. Take us through. I mean, Robinson's the complete package. Uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, Bijan Robinson, if he's not the first pick of the draft, is the second pick of the draft. But, you know, they don't, you know, running backs are not that highly regarded, especially in the draft anymore. So Bijan Robinson's probably going to be a bottom half of round one choice, but he's got it all going on. He's big, he's powerful, he's got terrific short area quickness. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He creates yardage for a big guy, and, and I mean he's an all around back. As is Jameer Gibbs, who is a sensational pass catcher out of the backfield. Gibbs has got excellent size. He's powerful. He's rarely brought down by the uh, first defender. He picks up a lot of yardage off initial contact. Shows the ability to turn the corner. He's got a burst. I mean, he is a feature back who, who you can line him up in the slot. You can line him up in the flanks and throw him the ball. And he's going to catch the ball for you. Ty J. Spears talked about him at the uh, top of the show. Really don't know if there's anything more I can add. Except, you know, I, I 
came out of the senior bowl thinking what Jim Nagy told us before uh, the senior bowl. Tajay Spears can be a feature runner in certain schemes at the next level where you're not going to ask him to carry the ball 20 times a game. And there aren't too many schemes in the NFL anymore that ask your running back to carry the ball 20 times a game. Zach Charbonnet, very underrated, more of a downhill grinder, but a guy who he's got excellent short area quickness. He is, he's never brought down by the first defender. He'll carry the pile. He's a decent pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, really a do-it-all, sort of a, a throwback type of running back, but a guy that's going to be exceptional on third down and short or goal line situations. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I had Sean Tucker graded ahead of Kenny McIntosh. Kenny McIntosh showed us a lot of good things uh, at the Senior Bowl. Kenny McIntosh had some terrific runs in that semifinal game against Ohio State. Kenny McIntosh has not been consistently productive. When you look at the height, weight, the measurables, Kenny McIntosh is light years ahead of Sean Tucker, but the production was not consistent for Kenny McIntosh, which bothers me. With Sean Tucker, he was a good interior runner at Syracuse. He showed the ability to turn the corner. He was a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Teams knew he was getting the ball. They couldn't stop him. Maybe after the combine, I will flip the two. But I, I, when I watch him, Sean Tucker's on the field, and he consistently produces. Kenny McIntosh, when he's on the field, sometimes he produces. That That's a concern for me. All right, Tony, before we wrap it up here, just give me, like, what, what do you think the deepest group here of these offensive positions that's that you really like? If you're a team drafting and, and you feel, you can feel good about getting a player in one of these spots on either, you know, late day two, early day three, and you're going to feel pretty good about there being a, a couple of good players still left. You can give one, two, three groups, whatever you want to do. Well, obviously, I think you got to start with, with running back because, you know, when you look at these running backs, uh, I, I'm looking at my board right now. I've got, uh, ooh, I, I, I got 10, 11 running backs who are top 100 picks. Wow. And then you got guys like Eric Gray, Chris Rodriguez of Kentucky, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, Dwayne McBride of uh, UAB, uh, Chase Brown uh, of Illinois, who are probably, you know, early day three picks that are going to be very productive at the next level. So I, I don't think it's, it's any uh, – it, 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 I, don't, I don't think it's any, any debate. I think it's running back all the way. I also happen to like the center crop. You know, we talked about Schmitz and, and Whipler, but I really think in that early part of day three, you got guys like Joe Tipman of Wisconsin, Juice Scruggs of Penn State, Ricky Stromberg of uh, Arkansas, Jarrett Patterson of Notre Dame. He was, yeah. by the way, he quietly had a really good week in mobile pass. And I thought he very good mobility. He can move pretty well. Got better and better as the week went on. And on Thursday, he had a dominant practice yeah. both at guard and center. And remember, I mean, as a sophomore at Notre Dame, everybody was talking about him as being a very early pick at center, moved to guard, took a while to uh, to get a quaint, uh, get adjusted. And, and I didn't even mention Olawatini of uh, Michigan, who I, <clears throat> I like him as a college player. I think he's going to be a solid NFL pro. I don't like him as much as... A lot of other people, I'm rooting for him because it's easy guy to root for, but he's not really big. He's not powerful. He's not overly athletic. He just gets the most from his ability and he gets the job done. And while I think there's a place for somebody like that in the NFL, I just don't know that there's a place for a guy like that in the top four rounds of the NFL draft. Tony, good stuff. Next week, we'll have your top fives on defense. Can't wait. Look forward to it, John.
For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmoke. Thanks for joining us on Draft Season. Again, go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or check us out in the Giants app or at Giants.com slash podcast. For Tony, I'm John. We'll see you next week with a look at Tony's top fives on defense. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.